0: Con, everybody retcons. What's more fun than taking a look at something you didn't like when you were a kid in comics and deciding, no, fuck that. It's different now. I have all the power. Knock all the pieces off the board. fucking just flip the table. Uh, and that's how a lot of uh, Monopoly games with my friends ended when I was a teenager. That, of course, makes this We Are Krakoa. I'm Nico.
1: I'm Dylan.
2: I'm Kyle. I'm Regina. And I'm Jonah. And we hope you survived this experience. Unlike Remy's love life, which apparently just seems to blow up in his face constantly. Uh. Hint, hint. Pun, pun.
0: So, uh, so <clears throat> one of the things about the X-Men is the X-Men love a good retcon, like more than most franchises, you know, every franchise loves kind of like, oh no, uh, Captain America is not dead. And that other guy that was Captain America is a different guy and wasn't our Captain America. And okay. You know, and like, I accept, yeah, okay. The Avengers have some retcons, but like the X-Men love three things more than anything. Number one, the X-Men love a love triangle. Number two, the X-Men need a traitor at all times. Someone has to be retconned. Ready to betray the x-men or it's just not the mansion number three the x-men love taking a look at the past and going well maybe that didn't happen and then when everybody goes no, oh no it happened somebody goes uh maybe it happened differently <laughs> and everybody just sort of goes with it and when i was taking a look at this list of x-men origins i found myself um what's the phrase i'm looking for? shiggled inside out by thinking about how complex some of the retcons have become at this point and you know there's no better place to start than strangely enough, the only character to have an X-Men Origins book that did not receive a page in the Origins of X-Men Marvel Comics. I guess, you know, he was probably dead at the time, but, you know, I was dead at the time. But Nightcrawler, ladies and gentlemen, Jonah, your favorite X-Men ever. I'm just gonna lead in with this. There is nothing in this issue I could not have gotten from a two-paragraph summary on Wikipedia. Your thoughts.
2: Well, I liked half of this, and the only, actually more like a third, and the only third that I kind of liked was seeing Kurt being taken in by a priest and adopting Catholicism as his main religion. I thought that was interesting, I know it's a very integral part to his character, and that was something that I enjoyed. Everything else about this, whether it's the ending with Charles stepping in to being abused at the circus, I did not like. Part of the reason why is because... I'm a fan of Demon Sorceress Mommy Margali and her being super powerful and really awesome and cool and such and not being a human. There was no Amanda in this. There was no brother that Kurt killed. There was a lot missing that they decided to change that I was just not happy about.
0: So Kyle, I know you and I have been poking around some Excalibur by Warren Ellis. So you've actually had like a a real big dose of the characters that Jonah was just saying are in Inexplicably missing from the pages of Nightcrawler's origin here. How did this play out for you?
3: I was definitely confused by the lack of Amanda. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of weirded out by this telling of it, and the whole circus uh, torture thing was really uncomfortable.
0: I don't disagree, and to the point that we've already made about some of our lack of love for the direction this story went, in terms of his origin, it's sort of... Worth worth noting that this was written by Adam Freeman and Mike Bernadin, who don't have an extensive connection to the character or to the X-Men franchise, which is something that I've said most of these do have. Regina, I know that Nightcrawler is somebody that, you know, you you fluffy heart. And this was particularly like, you know, nobody wants to see the scenes where the circus trainers whip Dumbo. So I kind of have to wonder who was this for? Other than the gorgeous work by Carrie Nord, how did you feel about this story? I
4: mean, I don't want, to see a boy get whipped. I don't want to see Nightcrawler being injured or hurt by somebody who's essentially keeping him as a slave, but I think it makes sense for his story. I didn't enjoy everything about it, but I thought it was interesting to see how this interpretation gets him to where we know him to be now. I particularly loved the reaction of the priest seeing him and watching him see him and have the priest talk to him about compassion and everything else. So there were things that resonated me and made me feel sad but made me feel joyful I would recommend reading this I think that it's an important way to look at Nightcrawler from the big from maybe from a perspective I haven't seen before because we're typically seeing Nightcrawler as this very fun character he's got his you know cutlass and he's pirating around and you know loving the ladies but most of the X-Men have come from very tragic origins and I think that was particularly well expressed here
1: I would agree with um, what's been said about the priest parts of this book, because I feel like it's been mentioned by Kurt, like spoke about, but I don't think there's really been many flashbacks or even panels talking more about that. I don't necessarily like the three or four panels of mystique with baby nightcrawler because i kind of prefer the awful story of her throwing him off a waterfall not her just putting him (laughs) in the water and him floating off a waterfall i don't know
2: like i actually don't know which
1: one seems more worse like her just throwing him or oh i'm gonna set you here but i know the waterfall's right there
0: (laughs) you know at least here she was giving him a chance to float to safety
1: true um i actually did not miss Amanda being in this because I feel like any flashback that ever had anything to do with Nightcrawler's origin, Amanda and her family overtook the story. But it is a little confusing because of every flashback before, always had them be a huge part of his origins, and this had nothing.
0: You know, and I want to interact with a lot of what we're saying because, you know, it's so difficult to figure out what's a retcon and what's a a reimagining, what's a retelling, what's meant to be in canon, what's meant to be out of canon. And for the most part, these X-Men origin stories are meant to serve as like a simplified version. I believe you could just assume that the entire Zardo's family is just kind of like off panel in this. They're not non-existent, but they play a different role in his life. But what certainly is a retcon and can't be questioned is that the events here that depict Kurt's journey toward religion would come due in the early 2000s under the pen of Chris Claremont during his great return of revolution where Kurt becomes a priest. Well, several years later, Chuck Austin, who would continue the reigns two writers down the line after Claremont left Uncanny, he was replaced by Joe Casey, who was in turn replaced by Chuck Austin. And Chuck, in fact, had it be revealed that Kurt never became a priest. No, no, no. Kurt was tricked into believing he'd become a priest by a by an ex-nun who'd gone crazy, who had messed with his memory, and was going to have him use his image transducer to become a bigger and bigger priest till he became Pope, and then while he was presiding over Mass as Pope, was going to disable his image transducer and reveal that the Pope was a demon, and would then activate the nanobites in the communion Wafers she'd swapped out to disintegrate all CACs. So, (laughs) um, I just want to know, guys, since we're talking about how we all sort of appreciate the Catholicism here in this story and how it's important to his character, how does everybody feel that ultimately Nightcrawler never took his holy horse?
4: I reject that. (laughs) I
2: also reject that. I reject it too.
4: I am... (laughs)
2: It's like the opposite of the Hunger Games. I volunteer. I reject. <laughs> I
0: reject Chuck Austin and most of his works.
2: So, um, I, I I am no uh, stranger to when it comes to high camp fun stuff like that. That is, I haven't read it. That just sounds ridiculous, unnecessary, and just. Very tone deaf.
0: It is part of an arc called Holy War. Now, I want to remind everybody, this run is the Chuck Austin run, and it in and of itself is a very highly debated run of Uncanny X-Men, whether it's for crucifying former students on the lawn, or the reveal that Angel has magical healing blood and is now banging a 19-year-old, or it's that Nightcrawler's father is an actual motherfucking demon. You know, there's a lot- Oh, you know what? Okay, and I'm gonna- I know I'm in the minority on this, but I really- Hate the Polaris Silverware Magneto helmet. I I find it reductive and kind of misogynist. But that's that's neither here nor there. I just you know it's oh god I I don't even have more on this retcon.
4: So Nightcrawler's origin story nativity was written by Adam Beeman and Mark Bernardin. Carrie Nord and James Heron did the pencils. And Chris Sotomayor did the colors. Dave Sharp was the letterer. And Gambit's origin was written by Mike Carey. The artists were David Yarden and Abram Roberson. Um the colorist was Nathan Airbarn. And letters were done by Rob Steen.
0: So Mike Carey, Mike Carey, I never say this. This is like I I I I didn't like this. I just didn't like this at all. I felt like it took all of the most interesting things about Gambit's backstory and made them seem so ho-hum. I thought it took so many dynamic aspects of this multifaceted character and made them read like a bad children's illustrated classic. And I also, okay, I, okay, okay, okay. If a dude's a bad dude, let him be a bad dude, right? And if a dude was a bad dude and is now a good dude, Let him be a good dude who was a bad dude. But I feel like Gambit's involvement with the mutant massacre is getting more and more removed every time it's told. At some point, he's going to have been in New York vaguely around the time and might have gone to a bathroom because he is like glancing the fucking... Okay, so I've given my opinion. Essentially, this just tells the story of how, much like Nightcrawler's story, told just that bit from Giant Size X-Men and then spliced in the relevant mystique elements from Marvel Unlimited number three. I feel very much like X-Men Origins. Gambit tells the story of the Belladonna arc from early X-Men which would occasionally be touched on again by Fabian Nicieza in the Gambit solo series that he would pen throughout his career as well as the reveal from Uncanny 350 in which that beautiful fucking hollow foil cover that all of us paid way too much money for in which it was revealed that Gambit had been a marauder and had led the marauders to the Morlocks for the mutant massacre. That's I don't like the that. retcon.
3: I don't like that.
0: It's it's quite the wreck, but you know what? Like, but it, it it's the, it's been canon since Uncanny three fifty, and if Uncanny oh. wasn't constantly being restarted, the legacy numbering on X Men has it read that X Men number one by John Hickman is Legacy six forty five. So like, it's been canon almost as long as it wasn't. But I feel like because so many fans have that response, Kyle, it's so neutered at this point. Like it, it's <laughs> he's he I I feel like it's actually just been turned into. To a, he went through a car wash around the time of the mutant massacre and <laughs> thought it smelled a little bad. Like I don't even—he's barely in the sewer at this point. I don't. Somebody save me.
4: Uh. <laughs> The Gambit. It, it's a little bit like The Rome. The more you find out about the game, the less it It's the same type thing. When there's still mystery, it makes for a more fun character. You get to it more. Um, I read the Gambit Limited series way back in the day. That was fine. And I think that every time you revisit some of the origins, it takes away from that mystery. and it, It's just not as fun going forward. Um, I'm starting to think of a lot of these origin stories like Greek myth. There's like 50,000 retellings <laughs> and I get to choose which one I want to pick for my personal head canon. <laughs> I'm
0: going to the Regina school of mythology. It's way better. I like
3: that idea.
1: Um, I agree with what you were saying, Nico, because I-, I feel like this Gambit Origins book should have just maybe told more about Belladonna at like, we, we did not need to have the Marauders part mentioned again, or if we did, it didn't need to be as long as it was or rewritten. And besides the fact that this slightly rewrote Gambit's origins, um, it's awesome that they threw Marrow into this, but Marrow's origins were also rewritten with them doing this. And the only good thing about this book was the-
0: Are you going to say the last page where they referenced the hounds?
1: Um, no. I was going to say it was David Yarden, because David Yarden is one of the most amazing people, and I wish he did more comics instead of just covers.
0: Sorry, I got so excited because I love on that last page. Like, I've had such an issue with including four pages of Uncanny 129 and including four pages of Giant Size X Men because so much of what they're including, they've directly rewritten and re referenced. I thought the restraint on the Gambit issue, because the last page was so strong, was a really smart editorial move that probably saved a few dollars on page.
2: So Gambit is a character who I have not been introduced to yet, so I have very neutral feelings on him. I personally have not watched a lot of the X-Men cartoons, so I don't I haven't seen him there. I don't know very much about him outside of things here or there. I know that he has some fans. Overall, to me, he seems like he's kind of like a polarizing character, where you either you love him or you hate him. This didn't really feel like an origin to me. At least with everybody else's solo origin story, it was about their childhood and their upbringing and how that kind of for basically, those building blocks that led to who they are to, to today. But we got two pages about him being an eight-year-old thief. I don't know. I wish there was more about, you know, him being a kid. I wish there was a little bit more about his powers manifesting and not him not understanding how to control them. There was not enough for me from this. I think the jump to the mutant massacre uh, seemed big and really just felt out of place to me.
0: Les ailes en So I,
3: I have to agree. I wish that there had been more uh, time spent on Gambit before he became an adult. Um, I, I wish that there was more time spent with Belladonna. I'm not a big fan of them pushing the whole Marauder thing.
0: So that brings me to my retcon uh honorable mention for gambit <clears throat> there was a period in time in which the third summer's brother mystery was the hot item in every back matter section in wizard and everybody needed to know more about it and it was spearheaded by fabian nicieza who was drawing a connection between scott summers sinister and gambit this connection to gambit and sinister sort of led to more and more sinister stuff and there were kind of these like weird how are they connected and when gambit was introduced he was a thief and like he tried to kind of kill the X-Men when Storm brought them together and frequently he was distrusted and up until Onslaught, it was believed that he would be the traitor that brought down the X-Men. So it's one of those situations where the character was meant to be a little bit closer to deplorable and wound up a little too likable for the writer's own good. And, you know, I I don't think anything would have killed Gambit quite so hard as if he had actually been made the third Summer's breath. I think... <laughs> If they'd gone through with that, it's everything Regina just said. It would have ruined every element of mystique he had.
3: Oh, yeah, that that would have been absolutely horrible. Oh, uh, yeah.
4: Uh, I think it was still referenced in Mutant X, and there's still occasionally a stray reference to Gambit still having a Summer's connection, and I wish they would just let that go. But as far as this origin book, I do want to point out that there is a page where Gambit and Sabretooth are... Arguing and Sabretooth lifts him up and rips his guts out, and it's fabulous. There's blood everywhere.
0: (laughs) Regina, Queen of Pain.
4: Sabretooth is very well muscled in that particular moment. (laughs) So that was kind of a treat. And I did like the inclusion of Marrow, like uh, Dylan was saying. Um, even though it does change some things about her story. Just the art, I think, what pulled me in for her because, you know, she's just this tragic little girl and she's got these bones stick out of her face. And her, her look is of such horror and fear. And that just resonated with me. And you just kind of want to scoop her up and take care of her exactly the way Gambit did, even though she looks non-human. But I do wish that Belladonna had, had greater agency in this book and that we had gotten to see more of their story. Although we have seen their story in other limited series, specifically um, Rogue's limited series mentions it. She goes back and um, she has a moment where she grabs Belladonna in Gambit's limited series and we see a little bit of them in that. So I don't know how much rehashing we would need to do, but Belladonna is a strong character. She definitely knows her own mind and I think that we should have seen a little bit more of that instead of her being as passive as she was.
0: After this, Mike Carey would write the page from Origins of Marvel Comics X-Men, which features art by Leonard Kirk, which... Kind of breaks down the story in four panels. There's a panel of him, I guess, wind chime shopping. Then there's a panel of the post-wedding fight. There's a panel of the mutant massacre. And then there's Gambit looking real fly with a huge package and a long face. And, you know, I hate to say it, but Belladonna has as much agency and as much character development in the entirety of X-Men Origins Gambit as she does in the single page, also written by Mike Carey. Like
1: Kyle was saying, I kind of wish the Gambit book would have had more about his childhood. The one page in the X-Men Origins of Gambit with that one panel, it almost has more story in it than the like two panels I think we got to see of Gambit as a child in his own origin book. So I I like the page because this page almost tells the entire story of the entire issue of Gambit Origins and it almost does a better. And it
0: includes <laughs> it includes that amazing scene of him wind chime shopping.
1: <laughs> Could we get off the wind chime? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my thoughts. This one page is I think better than an entire issue.
4: I thought that was a stroke of genius to show some of the training that he's able to go through as a child that we don't actually get to see in the book itself. <laughs> um, but yeah, the rest of it, we could have just stuck it this this and, and been fine.
2: I guess I would have preferred in this one page, maybe some interesting accomplishments he's done as an X-Man. This just kind of... He was a child, and then he murdered her, the, his bride-to-be's brother, and then he was at the mutant massacre, and he helped, and now he's an X-Man. Like, I, I, there, he's had to have done more at this point in comics, whether you're changing things or not. I feel like there maybe could have been more they could have pulled from to, like, give me, again, a better idea of who is Gambit supposed to be.
0: Everyone always just leaves out that he's a horseman
2: his solo origins issue never both did not give me a good idea of who gambit is i really can't tell you exactly who remy is what are his drives his characterization there just seems to be so much lacking from he it that i wants to be a
0: great a char- chef and to get there to get to cust- wait no sorry no 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 remy. no. wrong remy got it
2: but he did go to paris so
0: i was thinking x-men yeah, that-
2: tattooing got it got it oh Linguini. The best x Men.
3: It feels like everything that is discussed here is pre-Gambit joining the X-Men. So, whereas all the other pages are, you get a bit of the origin plus a little of what they've been up to since they joined. And I don't know. I, I don't see any kind of connection with the team here.
0: Gambit is barely expressed as he relates to the X-Men, and I feel like so much of Gambit's past is overexplored, yet his involvement with the X-Men, just like you were saying, Kyle, is completely ignored. And then we get that amazing Phantom X page, which, um, guys, I feel like, okay, I don't know how to feel about this Phantom X page. Page because is it is it weird that I'm simultaneously impressed and frustrated that this one page takes all of the mystery out of phantom X
3: yeah it kind of ruins the whole reveal of what he actually is if I had read this before I read new x-men earlier this year I would have been completely spoiled
0: and like literally all that's here is the plot of assault on weapons plus like by this point he's already an x-man in some runs of x-force that people seem to like and i jason aaron you are my you are my everything and you know eric and beautiful art love it real pretty but uh, like uh, i don't does this make anybody else it's like i don't know how to feel about the whole character is meant to be a mystery so giving him such an explicit definition without saying anything he's done like it doesn't connect to his adventures it's just some data this is what makes phantom x cool to the kids
1: (laughs) I agree because his entire story in the X Men books has just been him being a complete mystery and no one really knowing anything about him or why he's there. Like, he's a more serious. Deadpool in a sense like he's not annoying like Deadpool so but he's just there and nobody really knows why we have him be a part of this team and this or occasionally be a part of the X-Men and this kind of just takes out that entire mystery and then like you said this doesn't really tell you anything that he's done in comics it's just like a hey this is who he is not what he's done
4: I started reading, or I guess I came back into comic um, not long after starting started a bigger. Character and at first I was like, who is this Storm Shadow wannabe, Umbrella Academy reject? Like, I mean, I don't know, I don't know who he is, and I don't like him because I'm bored. And I get helped to people by a little bit out the piece that I've been over him. But on this particular page, the thing I found the most hilarious was pretend Frenchman, and that's all I got out of it. <laughs>
0: And, like, that's one of the best parts. Like, <laughs> he's a pretend Frenchman. Jonah, I know that you and I love New X-Men together, and I, I hype my sweet, sweet Phantom X. How did you feel about this page when he was one of your first, like, new modern characters?
2: Well, the only thing I feel is wrong about this page is that he we don't get to see how hot he really looks because he's typically gorgeous and like, this... Gimp light suit and like it's like just contours to his body a little too tightly and it's great and it's beautiful and I want to marry him. I'm also slightly <laughs> upset we don't get to see much of Eva because I think she's cool, but this uh, this page kind of just this page has everything. I'm not joking. This literally gives you a full play by play of everything you need to know about him, which is kind of what I was expecting for all of these one shot pages of the characters to give you their origins, who are these characters? This gives you everything you need to know and kind of more. So I was pretty happy with this. I was pretty satisfied with what this was trying to feed me.
0: Well, since this episode is all about retcons, I would love to mention that the main retcon associated with Phantom X is directly referenced in this page. Phantom X reveals that it's never been the Weapon X program, but rather it's the Weapons Plus program, and it's pretty much responsible for every super soldier in the entirety of Marvel. I actually love that reveal, and that Captain America is a member of the Weapons Plus program, and it allows for there to be so many people with those designations. You see Nuke is brought in of course the Stepford Cuckoos and that was their creator's original intent Grant Morrison created the Stepford Cuckoos with the intent that they were always going to be Weapon 13 so I want to know what do you guys think about the hyper simplification via retcon that there's just one bigger thing responsible for everything
1: (laughs) I don't really care for it because I feel like it's them just trying to milk anything and everything off of the Weapon X concept.
3: I kind of like it, actually. I think that it brings a kind of cohesiveness to all these characters with these crazy powers and gives them a reason to have them now.
0: Yeah, and so many of them already had powers with such similar backstories. I just feel like it makes one easier backstory than 10 million separate programs with the same technology.
4: I think there's enough real life examples of government with secrets that they're trying to hide and different government programs that experiments on people that this is not a stretch for me, so I don't mind it.
2: When it comes to this right, Con, I'm actually a fan of it. I think the weapons project is pretty interesting. It gave me my darling cuckoos. So how bad can it actually be?
0: I've always loved, and I feel bad about it, but like I love legendary Pokemon and I love special event Pokemon. And I think I, I even like to pretend that some Pokemon are special Pokemon that aren't special Special Pokemon like to me, Lapras is kind of magic. You know what I mean. So like, I I love it. I I want a Celebi. I want a I want a Mew or a Jirachi or a, a, a Sriracha sauce or whatever. I want it right. If it's special, I want it right. I I always want the most magical weapon in every game. So and I know I'm not alone in this. Like I know everybody wants the deluxe magical power. You know, like so like I'm not weird. But when they're handed a character like that, the re- <laughs> the reaction's pretty bad. And I genuinely can't think of a character more hated in all of X-Men, like truly, than Hope Summers. And Hope received an X-Men Origins page over in the Origins of X-Men, and it by Dwayne who wrote the Cable series with art by Jamie McKelvey, who like, uh Jamie McKelvey. I had years where people went around and just like at Comic-Cons would point at me and they'd go, it's the guy from Phonogram! And I would be like, no, it's not. He's a real person. So, I so... You know, Hope is such a hard character to talk about because Hope's never had any agency in her own character. Hope is the product of a council of writers working together to come up with the best way to facilitate this story. And of course, everybody was like, oh, she's a redhead with green eyes. And I'm like, and her name, H-O-P-E, those are the first four letters of Phoenix. And, you know, it's... <sighs> Hope might be the most hated X-Man ever. I just don't know what else to say. Like, I know I say everybody picks on Stacy X and everybody picks on Maggot and stuff, but like a lot of casual fans who could not have read Hope by virtue of sales numbers, unless everybody has magical copies that just, you know, floated around. Like there were so many opinions on Hope from people who could not have been reading it at the time that just don't care about Stacy X. She's not on that many registers. You know what I mean? Like Maggot doesn't show up on that many people's radar. Ours, but everyone hated hope and i think this page kind of tells you why because this is everything somebody's gonna want to go at oh she's the first magical baby and she's raised by the coolest guy and she's a part of all the cool crossovers that have deadpool in which cable sacrifices himself to save her and now she's a little phoenix girl and she's with cyclops and like this character had such potential but for lack of a better term she was manhandled by an industry that wasn't ready to adapt to the needs of female characters to have female creators attached, and I, I, I don't know, I don't know. I have way too many feelings about Hope. I'm one of those. Dylan, Reg- <laughs> oh, I about to say, Dylan and Regina, you guys run House of X, so you guys probably see a lot of reaction. To a me. lot of
1: people do hate Hope. Um, I'm one of them. <laughs> um, I did, I did love that cable series where she was a baby and he raised her and she grew up. I loved Hope in that book, but when she came back, I feel like Marvel did not have an idea of what they were going to do with her. I think they had 12 different ideas, and then they ended up going with none of those 12 and
0: The turning point for me was AVX Zero. Yeah, that was really the moment where I was like, I cannot follow her on this journey. Yeah,
1: like, I, I, there's a handful of things that I don't like that Hickman has done, and then there's like 500 handfuls of things that I do love that he's done. And I feel like creating the five for the resurrection protocols and process was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to Hope, because I think it's actually given her a purpose. But
0: oh wait, um, what are the other members of the? What are the other members of the Five? What no,
1: we don't need to say who they are. Everyone uh, knows it's, who they are. Uh, Tempest
2: and Proteus and um, what's that one? Oh gosh, he's
0: got two names, doesn't he? Uh,
1: yeah, it's Julio. That's it.
0: Golf Bolt, right? It's Golf Bolt. Or you might be able to call him Shell. Oh god, what is it? Uh
2: Mommy.
1: Evolution. <laughs> that's his name. <own. laughs>
2: Chicken. Please know who came first to copy or
0: <laughs> I thought you said quicken, and I'm like, oh, he's an accountant. <laughs> that's an attractive skill set.
1: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Hope being a part of the five, but if Dawn of X and House of X and all of that wouldn't have happened, I was really kind of hoping that some writer would just come along and actually have Hope be the monster that she is in Bishop's timeline. And I wanted her to go all Scarlet Witch and try to kill everyone in the world, and Bishop have to be the one to take her down.
4: (laughs) (laughs) She's annoying. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, Hope gets a lot of hate. Um, and I, I have such mixed feelings about her. I want to like her, and I know I've talked about this before, but Hope is basically the Connor from Angel of the X-Men. Like, yeah, this magic yeah, baby, yeah, yeah. she went to the future, she came oh back my and God. she's adult now, or semi-adult, and she was supposed to be this total badass, and she just whines. And when her and Danny Moonstar got into that fight, I was like, <laughs> okay, Danny, I need you to kick her
1: ass right now i was gonna mention that stab her
4: in the throat with an arrow
1: (laughs) i was gonna mention that i was gonna say the only time i've ever liked hope was when she was at the receiving end of danny moonstar's fist oh my god if we're gonna compare connor and hope then that really makes danny like the faith that i need to beat the crap out of the connor hope (laughs) anyway too much (laughs) Buffy.
0: So, Kyle, you came into the Hope narrative pretty late. I
3: haven't actually uh, experienced anything with Hope other than Hoxpox and a tiny bit of AVX. So, jealous, jealous. Yeah, I I (laughs) really don't understand her at all. (laughs) Then you do. Jonah, Jonah,
0: you are, you are famous for being hard to pin down when it comes to magical girls. You know, you, every now and then you're like, I love the, I, I, no one's going to get this reference, but for every logical, magical Shira you love, you love a Kenley. And I I need to, I need to know where it is you stand on
2: hope. Oh my God. What is, what is Kenley going to be a guest judge on this show? No, not a judge. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, <laughs> okay, never mind. Oh my God, you broke me. Um, okay, so I don't, I don't know if everyone's gonna get this reference, but this page for some reason made me think of The Last of Us. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the way that Hope is drawn—that she looks like Ellie. That's just what I, I thought of. That's my first thoughts. But Hope as a character, that hearing about her makes me upset. Because you have the potential for this woman slash girl slash female character to be this important role. And I know that happens a lot. You know, the chosen ones and there is their destiny and blah, 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 blah. Overdone, over overused and not really creative at this point. But there was a way I feel like this could have been something a little bit different and something to make... A statement with this character but to me it feels like they took one step and then immediately found their face and then they were attracted about 30 steps back and I don't know if I really like her in the current iteration of Hoxpox. pox hope really isn't here she doesn't she's part of the five but like we have only seen one member of the five which Dylan refuses to name <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be mean, but I also don't think I'm going to care
0: about her when I get to her. Jamie Madrox the multiple man received a page by the writer best known for working with him which is Peter David with some gorgeous art by Pablo Ramondi and I love this page I think it oversimplifies a lot of things and you know the problem with Madrox is from an early point in his timeline it was revealed that a a version of him you thought was the main him was actually a duplicate all along and that's happened throughout his his history whether it erased a relationship he had or or it undid his death. I mean like death. Like he was dead. Like he was dead, you know? So it's it's difficult. Madrox is one of my favorite X-Men of all time. Uh, that run of X-Factor. So, 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 so good. This page, just kind of like an oversimplification of a character whose nuances are what make him interesting. Dylan, Regina, I know you guys live for X-Factor. And Kyle and Jonah, I know you guys have more experience with old school Madrox. So this page is actually a pretty good balance of the two. Like you said I think
1: this page did oversimplify a, a lot to what he is. I feel like his death in the original X Factor and how it ended up being a clone that was huge, and I feel like that should have been a part of this page um, because I feel like the, all of these solo pages key in on the most important events of that character's life. There's another very important event that was a part of multiple man's life, or maybe it was a, a dupe. But he slept with Monet, so I don't know how that didn't make it on the page, but whatever.
4: I think with a new Jamie, there's so much back and forth. It would be hard to really capture as much nuance as you would need to understand him to really condense it to one. Page. So I'm actually pretty satisfied with what we did get. Um, I think if you're a new reader and you don't know anything about him, this is the basics of what you need to know. Um, and then I will tell you to go back and read anything that Peter Aaron David wrote. X <laughs> But, you know, if, if you're just brand new or if you're if you've missed out on comics for a long time and you just kind of want an update. A pretty good page to kind of review and and take away from that and go back and read yourself some. Of
3: them. So I think that this this uh, page is a pretty good representation of his storyline. I mean, you get his baby power manifestation, you get teenage time, you get his first introduction with the X Men, and then you get all the stuff after that, and it gives a it gives a fairly good idea of what he's been through.
2: I like Jamie. I by. But... Thoughts while reading this was, it's cute. This was uh, a character who I know a little bit about recently through the thanks of Dylan and him letting me interview him for the Joe Jomance Corner.
0: Storm's inherent retcon factor is that they can't stop putting Storm places she wasn't and... I kind of love it. You know, we're like, oh, she meets the X-Men in Giant Size X-Men number one. And then it turns out, no, she actually met Xavier uh, way before she met Xavier, uh, according to Uncanny X-Men 117. So we're talking like within like five years of her origin. And then John Byrne, when he returned to the X-Men for X-Men The Hidden Years, I think it's issues five through seven, is like, no, 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 she and Jean Grey had a telepathic conversation. And when asked if he could like defend it, he was like, oh, I sourced it out to fans and found out which characters it could make sense that Jean telepathically introduced interacted with without any weird after effect and hey you weren't on that flight home you don't know that he that they didn't have a conversation about that time they had that's like a connection and i was like uh but this this is a storm page by the dodsons written by mike carey um yes please
4: yes i don't care about the first half of the page but the bottom half of the page where she's just flying across the sky is so beautifully balanced that's the only thing i care about (laughs)
0: I'm also pretty into the T'Challa appearance. He's so pretty. <laughs> oh.
1: I am incredibly happy that with these origin pages, like we've mentioned, they you either picked a writer or an artist or both that have deep connections with the character. And I'm glad that they had uh, the Dotsons do the art for this because of... Storm's solo book from the nineties and it was just beautifully done. So I'm glad they had them come back for this page. I will say this besides the fact that Storm is one of my absolute favorites. I feel like this page was one of the better pages in this book because I feel like it really did capture a lot of the important moments for Storm and left out crappy filler spots. I feel like some of these pages for other characters chose Moments that were not that important that I really feel like would just confuse somebody if they grab this as a intro to the X-Men. I really like the fact that they
3: featured the moment where she became leader of the X-Men. Uh, that is such an important part of her character growth, where she defeated Cyclops in their their duel. And I don't know it's I, I love this entire page. it's there's just so much energy coming off of it for me and it, it really evokes her spirit.
2: I thought that Storm's page... okay so here's the thing, Storm has done so many wonderful, amazing, beautiful things and has so many amazing moments that it's really hard to cherry pick like the most important because I feel like Storm is a character who always gets such great character development and gets such cool moments. So having to choose what to showcase about her I think is a little bit difficult. I think everything they chose was cool. I like that there's one panel of Storm when she was rocking her mohawk. I think that was, you know, pretty monumental for the time it came out and having a black female lead with a really awesome masculine haircut. I don't think there was anything wrong with this page. I do wish there was a little more, I need a little bit more about Storm as a mutant, not so much as a person, as a mutant, and who is she? Who is Storm? Not just that she's loyal and she's married now and she fought Scott once. I need, like, who is Storm today? I want that, you know, that really motherly figure. I want, I just want to just, just a little hint more, a little sprinkle more. Okay.
0: Well, the X-Men are an ever-unfolding mystery box to unfold. And next time we come back, we're going to take a look at what happens when there's a traitor in the mansion examining some of the X-Men that have gone from the side of good to the side of not so good. And until we return to discuss that, Dylan, can you remind us where everybody can get involved with our amazing comic book fundraiser?
1: You can check out our social medias on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and we also have a twitter now both of them are x's for podcast look that up and both of them have a pinned post where it discusses how we are joined with five other x-men podcasts to help fundraise money for comic book stores and retailers during this crazy time of quarantine
0: thank you so much dylan and until we return kyle where can everybody find you online
3: you can find me on both twitter and instagram at drantis 82 how about you dylan
1: (laughs) Everybody can find me on Facebook at my X Men Facebook group that Regina helps me admin. That is called House of X. Or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D Y L A N. Regina, where can everyone find you?
4: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Red Queen of X. And on Facebook at The House of Goblin Queen. Donna, where can everybody feel?
2: You can find me, Mary. Assassin's Guild because I'm a political head now and I'm going to be peace to my guild. Not really. On Twitter and Instagram, at Peak Jonah. Nico, where can everybody
0: find you? As always, you guys can find me all over this amazing network, Mondays and Thursdays here on X's for Podcast, as well as Tuesdays on HTML. Don't forget to check out our website over at wearekrokoa.com or my social media on Instagram at NicoAction. That's And Guys, until we return, keep those mutant lights burning bright. There's a traitor in the manse. Bye.
4: Bye. <laughs> Bye. It's me. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh,
2: no. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun! Bye.